Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Well, welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Ride here with my friend Tim Beadle, and we are exploring the question today. What are we talking about today, Tim? Uh, what is a disciple? What if we're is gonna a be, disciple? If we're going to be making disciples, we need to know what a disciple is, I figured. Yeah, that's that's, that's a good start. So uh, where do you want to start with that? Do you want to give your, your concise working definition? I'll give my concise, and then we'll flesh them out. Yeah, and let's do that. Sure. Uh, so this is based on my 30 years of... Um, being a pastor, a church coach, and asking people this question. Uh, Literally, a a disciple is a dedicated follower, a committed learner, and an eager apprentice. So so you'll notice that I actually uh, put an adjective, as it were, beside each noun, uh, because you can can be a follower. Like I follow the Toronto Blue Jays, but (laughs) I'm not a dedicated follower. And and I, I can learn how to... Uh, cook a new meal, but I'm not committed to it. I might not ever do it again. Or I might be an apprentice to learn a new skill, but if I'm not an eager one, uh, it falls short. Being a disciple of Jesus is basically living your life as if Jesus were living his life through yours. Hmm. Yeah, so back to you. Oh, wow, that's that's pretty good. Man. How, do I, how do I work with that? Well, disciple, we know the word means student, it means follower. And in Jesus' day, a disciple was a student, was a follower. And they sometimes physically followed, like the picture we have of Jesus and disciples, they were physically apprenticed and following. And uh, there's a phrase I've, I've just heard lately that I really like to, to add into the de- definition of disciple. It's about following Jesus in all of life. Hmm. You know, it's, it's not just this compartmentalized, I'm following Jesus for my spiritual life, or I'm following Jesus in, you know, my, the religious, but I'm following Jesus in my relationships, in my finances, in my leisure, in I'm following Jesus in, a, in an integrated kind of way. Yeah, so I think what uh, you just said dovetailed with, with uh, my last comment that, that you're living your life as if Jesus were living his life through mine or through yours in all areas, which mm. is kind of challenging because we're kind of used to living our own type of lifestyle. That, that's for sure. I think in terms of uh, being a true disciple, uh, it says much, if not more, about imitation as it is about information. Hmm. Uh, uh, We live in a world where we've got all the information at our fingertips, but what we do with it in terms of imitation is, uh, I think, the litmus test in terms of whether we truly are following Jesus. Uh, What Hmm. what do you think about that? Yeah, well, you know, you used a phrase there, living as if Jesus were living through us. So is this a hypothetical, or is it a metaphor, or is is he actually living through us? What does that look like, Tim? Yeah, well... You know, uh, faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and, and lives in us. Our body is his temple. And the Spirit really mirrors uh, who Jesus is and carries out and uh, is basically doing a, a major renovation, remodeling program in our life to make us to be to be like Jesus in, in the way we think, the way we feel, the way we look, the way we respond. So we're actually becoming like Jesus. Mm. And if someone would look at us, uh, you know, sometimes I don't know if you look more like your mother or father. Uh, I look more like my father. But but when we're true true disciples of, of Jesus, it goes beyond just a physical resemblance. 
people see us and it reminds them of Jesus, if they know who Jesus is. But we're a loving person. The fruit of the spirit are evidence. And of course, this is a lifelong journey because I don't think you ever stop learning from Jesus. But there should be a resemblance, and we learn to, well, here's the difference as far as I'm concerned. You're either going to uh, imitate Jesus or you're going to impersonate Jesus. And and there's a bit of a difference between those. Uh, I went to a musical concert once, and and if I closed my eyes, I could have sworn that Frank Sinatra was singing on the stage. Hmm. But no, it was a guy who could impersonate his voice. Uh, But we all knew that that wasn't Frank Sinatra. Uh, When you imitate someone, you actually want to become like them. Hmm. And that's why in Ephesians 5.1, it says, you know, as as imitators, as dearly loved children, imitate, imitate. uh, So we would actually become like Jesus. Hmm. That's really, that's a good way of looking at. You know, it's interesting. So we're, we're, if we're a disciple, we're following him. We're representing him. But at the same time, we're not fully like him. You know, you know, it's interesting. I can be fully following Jesus as much as I know, but I'm not 100% Jesus yet. Yeah, you know what? There, there's a lag between our head and our heart. Hmm. <laughs> I always talk uh, about the gap, uh, the gap between our knowledge and our obedience. Uh, so, so let me unpack that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in terms of the, this gap, you know, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, uh, he was talking about, you know, the, no one comes to the Father but through me. I'm the way. He died on the cross and through faith in Jesus Christ, uh, we're adopted into uh, the Father's family. Uh, but he also said, I'm the truth. I think the church has been really, really uh, heavy on the emphasis of truth. Hmm. Uh, we know, it, it, not to the point of be, becoming Pharisees, but we have the right answer because the Bible says this, and Jesus said that, and, and in our head, uh we have this truth. I think where we're lacking is in the life part. When Jesus said, mm. I am the way, the truth, and the life, being a disciple means that, well, you know, Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, our, our, our ambition to be like Jesus is a lifelong pursuit. But I uh, truly believe this, Darren. Even if I didn't know that Jesus was the Son of God, Simply by looking at the impact he's had on society, the wisdom of his um, teaching, uh, I I would be a fool not to take notice of this man called Jesus and try to model my life. Jesus has had more impact on on human history, the abolishment of slavery, the the affirmation of women and children. and, And you look at all the humanitarian things going around the world, it's because of Jesus love. And even if I wasn't a Christian, he'd be the kind of guy I'd want to become a disciple of and follow at least his teaching, if not anything else. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because, you know, initially my read in the new Testament was the first time Christian was used. It was, it was um, an insult of some kind. It was basically those Christians, those Christ-like ones, those, those Christ followers, you know, in time it became more of a positive thing and now we've kind of come full circle again <laughs> in exactly. some cases where where it's it's now kind of a shady word sometimes. Like, how how's it gotten so blurry? Is it, you know, that those who are called Christian, which means Christ-like one or Christ-follower, how's it gotten so blurry? Well, I think it's because the term Christian has been connected inseparably to the local church. 
Mm. And that's a whole other discussion about um, how the church has become an institution. And uh, because of that, people people see the church and they, they sort of put all the Christians together and treat us the same when unfortunately that, that is the furthest thing we would want uh, being a disciple. And now, you know, people who are disciples sometimes don't even use the word Christian. I, I just say, uh, I follow Jesus Christ mm. or I'm a Christ follower, right. which I think gets to the point and bypasses maybe some of the baggage that goes along with uh, the term Christian and uh you know, there's so many slants on what it means to be a Christian, but uh, there can only be one definitive example of what it means for you to follow someone. Yeah. And that means you become like them. Yeah, no, and that's exactly right. I mean, that's something I know when we first started talking about these things, it really clicked because I had the same idea that, you know, the word Christian has been cheapened. I mean, a lot of words have been cheapened in our world and, and you know, misused and abused. And so, I default to, you know, Christ, even when I wrote about it, Christ follower, That's not right. DNA of a Christian, but DNA of a Christ follower. And I would say, you know, even when I, you know, get really honest, it's like, I may, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, yeah. but I know I'm not hundred percent. Like I'm not perfect in that. It's like, I'm perspective that I'm moving into increasing following and increasing, you know, imitation and representation of him. Following and growing into the following somehow. Yeah, I said something earlier about obeying him. Uh, you, you know, there's an old chorus that says, trust and obey, for there's mm. no better way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Uh, we really need to unpack that word obedience when it comes to following uh, because it gets to our motive of why do we want to follow Jesus? Why do we mm. want to become like him? I don't know about you, but when I was a child, if I, if I didn't obey, I was disciplined or punished. And therefore, it was just so ingrained. Uh, that's that's the way most kids, you know, at school, uh, you know, you sort of follow the, the line or you're disciplined. And uh, that's a negative thing. And so we, we've grown up in our lives and also in the church that if we don't follow what God says, he's going to be, he's not going to like us. You know, he's, he's going to punish us. And there's far too many Christians in the church who are living under this, this cloud of, ominous, uh, just the judge waiting to put down the hammer on us every time we mess up. <laughs> but but that's not what obedience is. Obedience in terms of following Jesus means that when I shed perhaps my self-interest and I deny myself, as it were, take up my cross and follow him, I have to truly believe that in obeying Jesus, I'm actually going to become the person that God wants me to be. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <laughs> I read a saying on a mug in a store. It says, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Yeah. And, and when it comes to following Jesus, um, God has designed us with a personality style, some passions, some spiritual gifts. And this is the mystery of walking with Jesus is that uh, there are similarities between disciples, but we're all unique because we're all mm. created, obviously, in God's image. But there's a certain way that I will live that will magnify Jesus uh, within my my heart, within my mind. And it's all because I've learned that obedience is actually a good thing mm, when it yeah. comes to following Jesus. Yeah, well, you know, a couple of thoughts on obedience that have shaped me quite dramatically is, you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, yeah. which which we often don't in, in our other relationships to obey someone isn't necessarily linked to love, but in relationship to the Lord, that is an act of love because it recognizes his lordship. 
it recognizes who he is and that our, that our proper response is that that obedient self-giving. And then, of course, in the Great Commission itself, we have that phrase that, you know, some people refer to as the Great Omission, where it says, you know, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. And, and we, we omit the last part, teaching them to obey. That's right. Everything. So it's not just about information. It's about, it's about teaching that moves us to a certain way of living and responding to his lordship, I think. Yeah, you know, it is all, it's a love relationship. You know, in the book of the Revelation, when uh, there's the letters to the seven churches and to the church at Ephesus, uh, woe to them because they had fallen from their first love. Their first mm. love was that towards Jesus. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I've watched a lot of football games. And in the old days, some guy with long hair was holding up a placard that says, John three sixteen. you know, for God so loved the worlds that he gave. And so it's all based on love. Uh, we can't earn it. We can receive it. But when you receive someone's love, there should, there should quell within the deepest part of our soul our desire to reciprocate that love. Mm. Not because we owe anything, but we want to become. That, that, that's why people fall in love. And, and, and Jesus in John 15 says, I don't call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business, but I'll call you friends, mm. uh, dear friends, close friends. Heart to heart, friends, because everything the Father has shared with me, I'm, I'm sharing with you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's all about a love relationship. You hang around with people you love, don't you? After all. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned the Revelation two passage about losing first love. That was written to the Ephesian church. Yeah. And I've done a lot of you know teaching and study of Ephesians because the book of Ephesians is just fascinating. It's this this I almost idealistic you know, letter to this church because there was nothing he had to get after them about at that time. Yeah. You know, they were really an ideal church in a lot of ways. When I teach on Ephesians, I talk about, you know, this blueprint of the church or this effective church for a long period of time, but they get to Re Revelation and they're still doing a lot of things right. That's and they're right. still fighting for the quote truth, but they've lost their first love. And it maybe comes back to that truth and life dynamic you've talked about where the relationship had grown cold, that they were doing the checklist but the relationship side had grown cold. Well, I think it's like any relationship. You have to work at it. You know, I've been married. This is, uh, it'll be 40 years this year. And Heather and I, we realize that um, just because you're married doesn't mean that you stay close. Uh, you can drift apart. And so, uh, so you have to work at it. Not because that's bad to work at it, but boy, if you, if you're in love with something or passionate about something, do you work at it endlessly just because you don't want to lose that uh, freshness of, of that love experience. And, you know, talking about Ephesians in chapter three, around verse 15, that it just talks about the, the, the breadth and depth and length of God's love. Yes. And, and, and the beautiful thing that just, it just challenged me. It's part of the mystery of, of having a relationship with God. It says that you can be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And uh, it, it, that just sort of blows, blows me away that I can be filled to the measure of the fullness of God, which means that I can actually allow Jesus to live his life through me. Mm. Uh, and so I, I think those, those two thoughts can come together nicely, but it's all based on love. Yeah. And, it's, and we don't earn his love. Like you said already, it's not like we work hard to earn his love, but we do work in terms of developing the relationship and maintaining that intimacy and hearing and responding to his voice. Yeah, I think practically, 
in terms of what it means to be a disciple. You, you remember when you're a kid and you play that game Simon Says? And Simon Says, put your hands on your head. So you put your hands on your head because that's what Simon Says. And and you're trying to catch someone to do something that Simon didn't say. You, 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 you kept watching the leader because you didn't want to miss the cues. And, you know, at the end of the day, if Jesus said it, hmm. I believe it, and that settles it. Now, <laughs> it doesn't happen as naturally that in my life, because sometimes I have to work through some things and push back, because I think I can do it a bit better. But at the end of the day, I've never regretted submitting hmm. as a follower to Jesus. Amen. And Amen. I've always regretted at some point down the road, when I've decided to try it my own way and, and then realized, uh, yeah, Jesus, he said it. I should have believed it a bit more. Uh, and now that settles it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, being a disciple, the, the greatest relationship you'll ever have, mm. not only this side of heaven, because a lot of people don't think, don't understand that, that uh, your eternal life doesn't start when you get to heaven, but it starts when you accept Jesus. Right now, yeah. Right now, uh, uh, becoming a disciple is making him the Lord of your life. You know, bit by bit, area by area, you just submit it to him and you become more like him. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. You know, I can't help but think of Romans 12, though I think of Romans 12 with almost any topic. <laughs> it seems, you know, verses about, you know, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, which is your spiritual, reasonable act of worship. That's the natural response to everything he's done is to offer ourselves back. So it's not a, it's not a, um, under duress. It's not with the big stick. It is just, wow, I'm so overwhelmed with that, you know, that love you spoke of in Ephesians three, that the very natural response is to respond by an offering myself back. And it's a, it's a no lose situation. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, if you keep reading that passage, it, it says, uh, love must be sincere. And that term, uh, sincere, uh, in the Latin, uh, basically, it, it, it was a picture. Uh, are, you of, talk, just a, are you talking Latin or Greek here? Well, sincere is, is probably the, uh, the, 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 I think the Latin, to be honest with you. Yeah. Oh, and okay. uh, sincere, basically, when people took these clay pots to market, sometimes on the way they would crack. Mm. So what they do is they'd heat up wax, they'd put it in the cracks, and then they'd paint over them. So when someone came to buy one of these uh, pottery water jugs, they'd hold it up to the sun because if there's any cracks that have been filled with wax, you would see the reflection and they'd say, oh, no, that is not sincera. Uh. <laughs> sincera is that which basically it is what it is. It yeah. is what it is. Wow. Uh, and you don't hold back any imperfections. You're just honest before God. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. Uh, but as we follow him, uh, we are to be in communion with him and walk as Jesus is our example. Hmm. And uh, we become like him and we are sincere in our love. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. The reason I asked about Latin or Greek, because the Greek is what's the language of the New Testament. Yeah. And I know in that passage, that word, you know, when you break that, it's love unhypocritical. That's go. what it's talking about, which is the same thing. You know, it's love that is not a facade. It's yeah. love that is, as you said, with Latin, sincera, the real yeah. deal. Yeah. You know, and we're called to, you know, a genuine, that was, that's talking about relation to others, but of course it applies to our walk with the Lord, that yeah. there's nothing hidden. And I guess, you know, that's just maybe a great, uh, a great thought of what it means to be a disciple, just being transparent, a transparent follower of Jesus in all of life, you know, imitating him, recognizing we stumble and fall, but we just get up and keep following him. 
Yeah, I think I think the true sign of a disciple is is one who will admit their weaknesses, uh, but they're just sold out to Jesus, and uh, they study His life. You, know, you can read lots of books about discipleship and disciple mm-hmm. this and that, being a Christ follower. Um, but basically, we need to look in the basically it's just in the Gospels and Acts we actually see that word disciple. You don't see it anywhere else in the Bible. Mm. So I know when I got serious about this, I went back and just kept reading through the Gospels, and and just feeling the the heart of Jesus, his favor towards me, uh, but also his challenge because Jesus said some challenging words. He says, "If you want to come after me as a disciple." You got to deny yourself. You, you have to openly identify me that, that, you know, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Yeah. Uh, that's a continuous, continuous following. So uh, I don't know. So, uh, you know, I don't know anything that I've learned in my life that I truly desired. It cost me a lot. Mm-hmm. I had to sacrifice a lot, but you know, it's, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. And I think that that's why God has given us this gift of free will. We can mm-hmm. choose who to follow. Yeah. Paul says in Romans, you know, you're free, but you're only free to choose who you will serve in life. Uh, yeah. Being a follower of Jesus uh, sort of puts a flag up the flagpole of your life saying, I'm following Jesus and I will be known by my association, my affiliation, my identification and my imitation of Jesus. Oh, wow. That's, that's there great. You go. I think we got to underscore that and highlight that and turn it into a post on Instagram or something. That's, 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 I think an excellent place to land him yeah. on this discussion of what is a disciple and uh, boy, lots of nuggets in there. And I know I'm going to be going back and listening to this as well. And uh, I think we've, we've talked to him next time. We're going to maybe kick around the idea of bottlenecks to making disciples in the church and uh, some other related things, I'm sure. Yeah, look forward to it. We'll see you next time. Great chatting as always. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.